You are listening to Grit and Grace, where I'm sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you and bringing stories to you of the most amazing women that are crushing it in business and in life. My name is Tomberly, and I'm a social impact entrepreneur, where I help businesses grow their community impact and their bottom line through their partnerships with nonprofit organizations. I'm also the founder of Tomberly's Tribe, a brand new group of female experts that from all different fields are helping women grow to their highest level of potential. Join us on this journey by downloading the Himalaya app, which is free, and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all of the new shows that are coming out. Welcome to my show. Our next guest is a master at simplifying businesses and creating systems that enable ambitious entrepreneurs to reach next level goals and make more money. I mean, who doesn't want more money? She uncovers what personal habits and mindsets that are the things that are holding you back from gaining the intelligence needed to grow. Rebecca, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. You make me sound so fancy. <laughs> you are fancy. Anything that helps people break down barriers and grow is fancy. Oh, I mean, there's so much of it. There's so much to break down, but I'm excited to be here and chat with you today. Yeah, me too. And we met through Marta Spurk. Yes. And um, who's who I've recently interviewed. So she'll be either just before you or after you. It'll, it'll be a podcast out around the same time. You guys can go find her. And I really liked your approach. Um, part of what you spoke on that really talked to me was that we have specific things that are stopping us from growing. And that's not just in business, but that's in personal life. And the fact that this is your job, you help. And is it specifically women that you work with or men and women? I like to work with women a lot more. I don't have a lot of main clients. I feel like men don't like me to tell them what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Okay. So this is the start of this podcast. And it makes me laugh because the truth is, is that in a lot of situations, men don't like to be told what to do by women, which is silly because you know what, women, we are more connected to nature. We have cycles. We have better, you know, abilities to be emotional and not all of us and not all men. I mean, it's not, it's not an always is, but generally we are more in touch with different parts of ourselves, and we can help men with that part. I so agree. So I agree. So 80% of my clients are women and about 20% of the men like me to tell them what to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny. And you focus a lot on Putting systems and mindsets in place to grow. Yes, and it, it all translates to money mindset because here's the thing. As entrepreneurs, we come and create businesses. And then our self-worth kind of is not very healthy. So we create all of this fluff to kind of justify our pricing, you know? Uh, so we create more and more and more. And we want to give everybody more and more and more. And that comes from an unhealthy money mindset. So once you fix that and you know that what you're offering is worth it, then you don't need all the fluff. And that's what sells. Simplicity sells. Interesting. Okay, so let's go back and talk about what that process looks like. So how do you start that? So, And only because I'm an entrepreneur, as you know, so I can relate. And there's so many other businesses that I'm thinking of. It's like going through my mind. And I'm wondering, like, where do you start that process? So let's just say, let's let's make an example here. What if someone is a solopreneur? They're three years into their business, um, and we'll say, I'll, I'll say a coach. I'll just use somebody that I know specifically um, as a coach, and three years in their business, and I know they're not charging enough, and their schedules fall. Yes. So they're not charging enough, and the thing we need to work on the first thing would be what is industry standards. You know, what is industry standards? Now, let's find her common, uh, her comfort zone and raise that about 15 to 20%. 
So let's just say she's comfortable charging, I don't know, $5,000 yeah. for her package. Yeah. But she's not charging that. So that's industry standards. How can we raise her comfort zone just enough where she'll be equally excited and terrified of the pricing? I uh, think that's the magic, you know, like you're equally excited and terrified to charge that amount. And I think that's the number you need to go with. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And there actually is a number that makes you excited because when you think of that number, it gives you a boost of confidence. I mean, I think about my my company is called Corporate Cause Agency and I help businesses develop a community investment strategy. So my I'm a B2B. So but still there are price changes that I've gone through since I started my business that there's one specific price change that really made me feel a little freaked a little freaked because the pressure was on a little higher, but also a little excited because that would be a revenue target that felt good. Mm-hmm. And think about how differently you show up when you mm. charge it differently. You just show up as like the A game. There's no excuses. You show up differently for your clients. You show up like that next level you. And that's so important because it challenges you to keep growing too. So for instance, when you went through that change yourself, I'm sure there are lots of books that you started reading, lots of crowds that you're trying to get into, lots of entrepreneurs who became your benchmark that were in your benchmark before. So that's all part of that growth process too. And now it's what we have to take in consideration when raising our prices. So in the B2C space, meaning a business that's offering a direct service to like clients, customers, individuals, humans, not companies, um, is there a lot of negotiation that happens with price? Does Is that a thing? Yeah, it is a thing. It is a thing. And, um, and that's why entrepreneurs, they just need to have healthy money mindset and establish those habits, like those things where... No, I don't charge more. Now, I do have clients who do charge uh, less for friends and family. They have, like, established friends and family discounts, which I think it's okay. Um, but that's not the route that we want to go. I personally think that I should charge my family a lot more. <laughs> yeah, because there's emotional ties in there, so it's harder. And they probably expect more. Yes, but you know what? I have the money mentality that I shouldn't do business with friends. And my husband recently mentioned that I'm running out of friends because all of them have become clients. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> That is so funny. I'm running out of friends. If you want to be my friend, come find me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, That's I think that's really interesting. And I I would say that as a small business owner, right, a growing business that's planning to scale, and as a back when I was very much a new startup, I I definitely negotiated prices for services that I needed, and I offered trades. Mm -hmm. And I know that because there is that perspective, right, as as new entrepreneurs. You know, really, you should focus on finding what you need at a trade or an affordable price. Don't not get help because you don't have cash flow yet. But, right? I mean, but you're talking a different facet, right? Because then that makes me think, okay, so the professionals that work in that space, maybe they'll, they'll allot themselves three, three new cases a year, three, three, <laughs> three baby businesses that are growing and, and whatever that may be. But, but I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how do I balance that in my mind? I'm talking out loud on that because from the perspective of a new business owner that really did rely upon people who were willing to give me their expertise and their help at a limited rate or a trade rate, that was never going to be permanent. Like I knew that there was an ex, that was a limited availability. 
Yes, and there's so many layers to that. The first one is bartering. Like, when do you stop that? When do you get to that revenue growth? So I feel like you're finding businesses who are also in that growth stage. For instance, photographers, you know, they are also growing their business. It could be mutually beneficial for you to barter. But I have clients who are also, I'm their clients, and we don't trade services. We trade money. There's nothing wrong with money trading hands, even if it's the same amount. And I think that that's established a healthy money money mindset, it also established no one feeling underwhelmed by each other's services. Because I feel like in a battery situation, that happens a lot, where you feel like you've given it all, but you're not really getting the same attention back. You just become like the side thing for the other person. So I think money trading hands, it's not unhealthy. I think that that's a healthy habit. Now, I'm with you, like maybe doing once a month, you know, maybe doing something like once a month, I'm going to help someone else. Once a month, I'm going to do this. So what I do, like I don't help people with my time. My time is very limited. I'm a mom of two kids. Um, But I do give 10% back, you know, so I give to charities and things like that. So if your expertise is allowing you to help other business grow, and maybe you want to help the new business grow, then establish some time. And um, give your time back. I think that that would be beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it brings up such a good point. I, I guess I have such conflicting feelings about that because I agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> like totally. But that's not actually how I did it. And I, I'm, I'm just – I'm trying to think about it. Um, actually, it's making me reflect. Did I did I carry my part of any bartering? Well, like because I, I just didn't necessarily have anything really to offer an individual, especially on the coaching side. Actually, I did. Now that I'm thinking about what we bartered on and traded, I did. Sorry. I'm having a full reflection <laughs> right here. I I, th- I think that this is a good point and people's time is valuable and recognizing that their time is valuable and the resources that they bring to the table matter is important. And I think there's space in there for that. Um, but I like the idea of exchanging services, but still trading money. Oh, for sure. Yeah, huh, for that's sure. That's interesting. Even you, if it's the same amount. Even if it's the same amount, it's healthy money mindset. You show up differently to that person because you're no longer trading a time. They're actually a full paying client. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, big, big, big. Do you feel like maybe you stunt your growth? Not as far like with the timing that maybe if you stop bartering sooner, you would have gone to the next level sooner. I mean, maybe. I don't really anymore. Um I'm actually at the stage where I everything is full up and sold out, so I'm looking to hire and bring on additional staff, which is really wonderful. Um, maybe it did. I don't know. Maybe it was a mindset that I didn't want to bring. I didn't feel like I was at the stage where I should should be spending money on this particular service yet. Um, I don't feel like that necessarily now, but I did for quite some time. And, you know, and that is another side of the coin, too, because when you make large investments, you're forcing yourself, you're stretching yourself to growth as well. Mm. So you're stretching yourself into making ends meet. And we, humans are very, very good, especially entrepreneurs, at figuring things out. So if it's something is stretching you a little bit beyond your comfort zone, you'll find a way. You know, you'll find extra clients, you'll do flash sales, you do something really out of the box in order to get that money. So I think that that's healthy. Like stretching yourself money-wise can be healthy. Now, I'm not saying to mortgage your hamster. That's a different story. Hamster, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't mortgage kid number two. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I, I have done this recently, and I have made a, a very large investment um, in 
you know, some classes that I'm taking and growth that I'm taking on the spiritual side. And it is, it is definitely really impactful in my own personal growth because I know, I know for me, my personal growth is, is the growth and a success of my business. And, um, I don't have anything but excitement about the fact that I've, I've committed to it because I know that's going to stretch my business. Oh, yeah. And what an amazing feeling, huh? Yeah. Like you're just being thrown off the bridge just like that. Yeah. I like to say that I'm the cliff jumper that builds my parachute on the way down. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about myself. And not that I do it always very well. I mean, I have just like everybody else. I mean, my go-to is cake. When I'm really stressed, <laughs> I'm going to eat extra cake. <laughs> it's better than tequila. I mean, I'll go with the cake over the tequila. But <laughs> No, I'll do the margaritas. Oh, okay. So see, we'll, next time we both get stressed, we're going to have cake and margaritas. I'll text you. I'll text you. Let's have a margarita business session. Yay, yay. <laughs> so tell me what are some of the biggest challenges that you think that women face when it comes to this mindset around their money? You know, it goes back to our childhood. I mean, the first thing that we learn about money when you're about two or three and you find a coin you put in your mouth is money's dirty. Oh, my gosh. I know. <gasps> It's like ingrained in our memory, you know, mm. subconscious mind that money is dirty. Mm. So all of a sudden you're making money, not because you're selling something for anybody else. You're selling yourself. You know, you're selling your products. You're selling for your own clients, for your services. So you're selling yourself. So all of a sudden there's that connotation. Well, money is dirty. Um, how, who am I to charge this? Like, in the, I'm an imposter. They're going to find me out right now. They're going to know that I know nothing about this. And they're going to, so there's a major imposter syndrome about charging our worth, you know? And men don't have that same issue. They can just sit at the table and tell them the price and there's no problem. And then, like, when a friend asks me, like, how much do you charge? And then there's all these stories on the back of my mind. Tell me if you relate. Like, mm. she's a friend. Should I charge her? Should I not charge her? Like, what should oh. I do? And going back to the bartering, the whole thing. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of that money mindset. And as, as we grow, it's, it becomes harder and harder to, like, sw- flip that switch, you know? What is the healthy money mindset? How am I going to stand out for my prices? How am I going to stand out for the crowd? And what does that mean about me? Because money is just a resource. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't tell me how awesome you are. It doesn't tell me the amazing things you're capable of. It's just a tool. And we relate our net worth with our self-worth. Mm. And that is the major thing with women. So once we learn to separate those two, that your net worth has nothing to do with your self-worth, then you start making money and lots and lots of it. I, I really I really like this idea of looking at where our feelings around money come from. I did some work around money um, early on in my entrepreneurial journey. And there was a few things that came up for me that really surprised me, right? Which is that, you know, we can't afford that or that's that comes from lots of generations of our families like we or and in my family that wasn't really what was said it was more that um that's a waste of money mm-hmm. and um or even just not indulging in things like self-care or extracurriculars i mean it was there was very specific areas that money was spent on and, and very specific areas that money wasn't and for me that was that was what I knew. And so I, and I, I learned, I learned from that. I also think that the other part of that coin, cause we're going to talk about money, um, was learning that in order to have it, you had to work really, really, really hard to the grind, to the bone. Oh my gosh. I can't relate right. to so much of this. So I was born in Brazil. You can probably hear the accent. Yeah. And I was 
born into third world standards poverty, which is very different from the United States poverty. There is no such thing as um, food stamps or anything like that. So my dream as a little girl was to eat Frosted Flakes with strawberries because I saw... Um, the tiger, you know, I saw that in the oh, commercials right. and the way they serve it is just with, with strawberries. strawberries. Really? And my dream was in Disney World or Barbie. It was food. So um, because those are the extras that my family just couldn't afford. And um, to this day, anytime I see that cereal box with a tiger, it just lights me up because my kids are able to have all this cereal they could possibly want. And um, that speaks to me in a deeper level, like when I help people, because we're not only changing their story, you're changing their kid's story. You're not only changing their mindset, you're breaking cycles of money mindset, you know, and I think it's it's an amazing breakthrough to work with people in that level with their money stuff because there's layers upon layers. So with my money and food thing, each time I made another benchmark in my business, other things came up and then other things came up. I had this misconception that only blue-dyed, blonde women succeed <laughs> mm. because that's all I saw. There wasn't a Latina being represented into that world when, you know, when money was dirty and all of this mindset. So it was really, really hard for me to see myself with the blondes and blue eyed because I always felt like an outcast. And it's such a misconception. It's another story that I just really had to work with myself and change, you know. Um, and then there, I, there was a time where I thought that, like, overweight women don't get ahead. And I'm like, what? I mean, there's Oprah. I love Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so all of these money misconceptions, they all play a role when we're charging our worth. But, and you just bring up so many things right there. I mean, the first one I want to say is that we are so used to evaluating our self-worth based upon what we see in marketing. And I don't know if you know, I have another podcast called Girl Talk and it's G-triple-R-L, like so Girl Talk. And it's, um, I host it with Courtney Olson who owns a company called Girl Clothing. And, you know, she has a real, a full woman's empowerment mission that, we have developed this um, food health issue around women based solely upon advertising and um, it's bad actually, right? I mean, the, how much, how women feel about their bodies, how they eat, the shame they feel, um, bulimia, orex, uh, anorexia, um, you know, overall shame that women have comes from the fact that every single marketing company out there uses size four 18 year olds in their ads. And so there's no connection between what the majority, and I mean the majority, and not just in the United States, because in the United States, we are not the healthiest of cultures, but the majority of women in the world, our natural sizes are not what we see in marketing and ads. And the same thing when it comes to money. I mean, how many Latina wealthy women do you see, you know, like being on the cover at times? Oh, but you know what? I'm going to be one. So that's yes. okay if there's not a mini right now. <laughs> there, Rebecca's coming. <laughs> Rebecca's coming. <laughs> Watch out, Oprah. You got some competition. Right out, Oprah. I'm, I'm actually sitting on Oprah's couch is one of my, uh, you know, it's my vision board and everything. So I'm excited. Funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, I agree with you. And I, because I'm blonde and blue eyed, I actually haven't thought about it like that. I'm American, born and raised. I don't know what I don't know, and. 
So that brings up a really good point. But I actually face all of the same things you do. I mean, the percentages of female-owned businesses that succeed, I mean, we, we know 80% of businesses fail out the gate. Of those that do succeed, less than 13% ever reach six figures. And that's like a knife to my belly. Oh. oh. I mean, and, and then and then I get why it's hard, right? I get why it's hard. I think that one thing that I've had in my favor is that I guess I don't, I don't, there's certain things that I don't deal with. I don't deal with like a lack of confidence of asking. Like there's parts of myself that I was just born this way that I recognize now. I, I was actually just in a previous podcast talking about how it took me till I was 40 years old to realize people didn't feel like that. And I, it actually kind of made me a little sad because I didn't realize that people didn't wow. feel that confidence, right? That was a big moment for me. Yeah. And I've now since interviewed more than 200 women and I, I, I get the differences of how we all feel, but I, I just, I, I just didn't understand, right? And so I've done a lot of learning around self-worth and self-confidence and what we don't know mm-hmm. and what we don't know that other women go through. Oh, my gosh, yes. And that's the point of this, though. So thank you for sharing that. I had not thought about it from the perspective that you just shared. I know. Isn't that interesting? And, um, and like money doesn't grow on trees. How many times have you heard that? So there's a little exercise that I do with my clients. It's really fun. We create a money tree. And each branch of that tree is $1,000. So anytime that you make $1,000 that month, you call her a branch of the tree. And you're calling all the kids and you make it a family event and you celebrate that $1,000. Call her in the money tree. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Can I like make a whole money tree on my wall as a way yes, of like manifesting more money? <laughs> that would, wouldn't that be awesome? And here's the thing. So money is made out of paper, which is made out of plants. So essentially kind of grows on trees. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. It's actually made out of cotton and other things. Just so There's know. other things in there. <laughs> There's other but things the original there. money was printed on paper very from the beginning. So money did grow from trees. I know. Isn't <gasps> that <laughs> shocking? How, how, oh. <laughs> That's why money is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. We could see here and talk about money all day. There's all of these little things about money. You know, like we work hard for our money. Like we don't say that at our house. We work for our money, but not hard because it doesn't have to be hard. And that's another thing that entrepreneurs do. They create a hard job for themselves. You know, they leave corporate America to create this dream life in, in for this business to fit their lives. Um, and then they just end up creating another job for themselves because they make it so hard. They put all the bells and whistles. They put all the spreadsheets. They put all, and it doesn't have to be that way. It could be light. It could be fun. People just paying you for your expertise, for your 20 plus years of experience, you know, for your talents that only you can deliver in the way that you do. Man, you are amazing. Oh, <laughs> I'm loving this so much. So. I'm I'm sinking into what you just said is that people will pay you for your expertise doing it the way that you do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm thinking about how we oftentimes just make things too complicated. Oh my gosh. So I have so many examples of my business. I used to create spreadsheets for people. They don't care about spreadsheets. They just care to take notes when we, you know, they are talking to me and then we have this breakthrough together and we find out what to do next and they just run with it. And because I wasn't giving them thin things to do, they loved me because I could give them one, two things and that would really, you know, move the needle in their business. And they didn't have to focus on 10 things on their to-do list. So that simplification just, you know, was it Da Vinci? I think it was Da Vinci that said simplification is the ultimate form of sophistication. 
Yeah. That's funny that you say that. One of the um, clients that I work with, that's a large nonprofit organization, one of my clients, I had the original contract that I had given them had some like, you know, I had some really high level reports and evaluations that I was going to do first. And then I'm going to do this. And then I was going to do this. And that is typically what I do because you do need to dive into the back end of stuff in order to create strategies for the future. So I did need to do that. But the way that I was going to report it, we were like two months in. I'm like, I sat down with the person that um, I was working with and I said, listen, I would way rather just get you the results. Do we really need to go back and report on all of this in this way? If it's really important to you, because that's what we agreed upon, I will do that. But what I would rather do is put the limited time that I have for you into this part of the project. And I was so impressed that he said, I do not care about any of that. You put that in there, not me. And I learned. This was a big learning lesson that happened to me recently. And I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. They yeah. want the results, not yeah. the reports. They don't want the reports. And the thing, like when I was creating an offer, I had all the bells and whistles to the offer. It was like a Cadillac of all offers. <laughs> and did you type it all up and did it have like pictures and graphics? Oh and my gosh, it was the sexiest and... thing you would ever see. <laughs> <I> imagine. <laughs> you know how much of that I actually use? Oh, none. My gosh. So when people get on a sales call with me, they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm going to become a business partner for hire. I'm in the business with you and we're going to do this together. And they're like, okay, so let's. Let's do this. You know, so like all of the bells and whistles. Why was I creating all the bells and whistles? First of all, because of my accent, because of my weight, because all of the reasons that had nothing to do with the business. Because I know that I can do business. You know, that's what I've been doing since I was 17 years old. I know I can do business. Um, so again, all that money mindset that translates to but it's it's all actual just mindset. It's not it's even all, money. Exactly. It's all just internal like self-confidence, self-worth mindset. Yes, for sure. And you know, another thing with women is that we show up for other women more than we show up for ourselves. Oh, this is a whole other topic. I you, we, know. If we're going to go there, we're going to go there. <laughs> yes, I actually, I have a, a couple of different friends that I uh, work out with and lift with. And a few of them, and because we're in an environment where we are taking time for ourselves, like we are in a self-care zone. I can appreciate the fact that they are, especially for them, because they all have young kids. Um, I'm the, I'm like the old one of the group. I'm just saying. I'm the <laughs> Not masters. At all. I'm the master lifter. And I, I recently just like gave them a big kudos, like good job. I mean, I see them trekking their kids around to classes, dropping them at daycares, making an effort to get something that makes them happy, right? The self care that they have for themselves. And I, like we had this whole conversation and then I got into my truck to drive home and realized I had never said that to myself. Wow. And you know what made me realize that is my kid said it to me. My 21-year-old <laughs> son watched a little post that I put on Instagram that I was super proud of that I bench pressed 135 pounds. And those are big girl plates on the side. Yeah. Those are big girl plates. <laughs> and that's, that was good for me. And he said, Mom, I saw your Instagram post. And you know, I couldn't even – I don't even think I could bench one of those plates or lift one of those. He's like, my mom is crazy, but it's really awesome. Oh. And I just took a minute and, and it ha- because it happened like all in the same day, mm-hmm. I realize, oh my gosh, I have, I've never talked to myself like I talked to those women that were making special time. Well, and look at me, I'm running a company and still making time to be committed to a goal, which is fitness for me. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I didn't speak to myself that way. You know, I have an, another little exercise that I do and it's look in the mirror when you brush your teeth and tell yourself like, this is what blank, you know, for me, for me, because I didn't see the Latinas in there in that picture. So I, when I brush my teeth, first thing I say, "This is what a wealthy woman looks like." 
So, you know, if you can apply that to any area of your life. I can do the life. same thing. This is what a fit 46-year-old woman looks like. Exactly. Oh. And then you get your nervous system and your subconscious mind. And you're going to see in your life more evidences of that. I might have to, like, write it in lipstick. And, like, I think so. And, Wouldn't like, that be with, fun? With, like, blood dripping. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you're right, though. We don't, we, don't, we don't take care of ourselves or speak to ourselves the way others do. And going back to this topic of... Our self-value is the initial starting point to everything you're talking about. For sure. And taking that one step even further, that means how we talk to ourselves when nobody's listening is critical. And we have this bad connotation with selfish. And I think selfish is one of the self-care, you know? I think putting your dreams on display for your kids, you're not putting them last. You're putting your dreams first. You're modeling that behavior that you would like them to have. And uh, we can do that for business all day long. You know, talked about business. How can you model the behavior that you'd like your children to have if they're entrepreneurs? Model that courage, you know, being brave, putting your story out there, which I know um, we're, you know, our story just speaks to people more than our numbers do. So if you put your story out there, it takes bravery. You know, not everyone is willing to put their face out there, putting, especially with all the online bullying and all that stuff. Just being visible, um, it creates this transparency that we want the world to know that we have our stuff together and most of us don't. And that's how we connect as humans by not having everything perfect and together, you know? So how do you teach that? Well, um, it's, it's different for everybody. You know, I do like my programs are very personalized because you are very good at selling. You have that confidence. But a lot of people who are not good at selling, they need to work on that first. Which is what I told you took me 40 years to figure out that I didn't know that. I know. Isn't right. that crazy? Yeah. Well, because, I mean, you work in that field, so you see the variety of women, right? Yes. I just had to grind through it. Like uh, In my career, I, I worked primarily with men, so I always just had to work at a different way, so I never realized what other women dealt with. Do you feel like maybe you absorbed like that Sally mindset from, that, from men? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I would say the first part of my career I did, I absorbed more masculinity in my approach to all things of business. In fact, I tried to downplay my feminineness. Like I would wear my hair more in ponytails. I would wear more, uh, well, first of all, I would not, I, if the tattoos that I had at those times, I wouldn't show them. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I was less feminine because I wanted to blend. Oh, I see. Right? I felt uh -huh. like if I was stronger, tougher, more blending, then it wouldn't stand out so much that I was a woman and people would take me seriously. But I think that, that worked out in your favor. You it know, using did. that masculine energy to sell into yeah. just that inner confidence. I think that that really was. But I will say that there was a shift. I did shift at one point and realize, actually, no, I'm better when I'm more myself, which is more feminine. I'm better mm -hmm. because then I, it's okay to be different. Um, it's it's okay. And it's way more relaxing when you yeah. get to be yourself, yeah. you know? <laughs> but your question, yes, yes, I did have to develop um, strong skill sets in selling myself. But I, I again, personality-wise, I was born with this. Uh, this is kind of what you see is kind of how I was born. Uh -huh. and, um, I, I, I want to say that there's some other things that shaped me for that, right? There's other challenges that I had when I was young and different – like you, right? We all come, we all have paths to get to where we are. Mm -hmm. So I was faced with certain things in my life that made me be strong. And, yeah. and every time I survived something that was very difficult, I gained confidence. And so there's lots, I know that you don't know about me because we're here to talk about you, but 
some of the significant challenges that I faced in my life even had to do with health. Wow. And so I survived things when many people wouldn't. And so I developed, so that's maybe second stage confidence that I developed later on um, around just living life in the fullest in this moment and not caring what the outcome would be because really today is not, today's the only thing I know, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Yeah. And it's funny because I do have a, a, a challenging health scare myself. So that's what made me a coach. I was in a life and death situation. I said, this is it. I, I only get one life to live and I need to make it count. How do I make it count? Um, so that's really interesting. But going back to your question, the way that I personalize it, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So I find what's the weakest link in your business. And once you get that weakest link strong again, you feel the needle moving. You have this motivation. You just feel refreshed. And then we're able to tackle everything else. So that's like kind of like the starting point, you know, creating that simplicity, finding that weakest link, making it strong, and then going back to the next weakest link. And that we keep moving the needle that way. And so do you work with people primarily in business or do you do any coaching just in life in general? So I do have some clients that like to hire me for uh, mostly business, mostly entrepreneurs, but I do have some clients that do life in general as well. Yeah, because I do think that what you're speaking about is just, it just carries over into so I many know, parts of life. Yeah. Although, and I'm sure that the entrepreneurs that you work with, their life is, the trajectory of their life has changed because you are, you're very good at this. You have, you have a really, um, you also have an energetic output that is um, very positive and inspiring, and thank you. Um, and that's what I felt the first time we met. And oh, so, <laughs> and I have, I have, you know, in this show, I would like to say that I have developed these really good um, detectors of what I think this this audience, those of you that are listening, want to hear from. And so when I met you, I knew that they would be really interested to hear from you. Oh, I'm so flattered, and thank you. You're so awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. I mean, this is important. You are helping women. You're, you're you're helping address those terrible statistics that we don't like. I know. I want money. I want women to make a lot of money. I want women to make an obscene amount of money because we can change our communities. We can change the causes that matter to us. We're nurturing by nature, you know. So we will nurture. We will put, actually put our money where our mouth is. And I think that's really special about women in general. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Love it. <laughs> and I know you have a really super special offer. I do. Listeners. I do. Do you want to tell them about it or should I tell them? I think you should tell them. <laughs> so if you like to work with me or if you think that this is, you know, just something for you to do, I would like to offer you a one hour strategic call. So you get on the phone with me. We're going to chat. I'm going to coach you. And if we are a match to work together, you get an invitation. Otherwise, there's absolutely no strings attached. I just love coaching. It's one thing that I can't turn off. My husband complains about it a lot. <laughs> I like it. Her face right now is like, yes, he does. I like that. I want to coach everybody. Um, do you coach him? Yes, all the time. Oh, look, we just have a dog. So oh, we're, and yay. by the way, for those of you listening, <laughs> we are recording quite often at Workability in Denver, and that is workability.works. And they have this amazing, beautiful space, and they welcome grit and grace. We're like part of the family here, and we just had a puppy. Somebody's puppy just randomly appeared. Um, and so I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you, and I'm petting the most beautiful dog. What I, I mean, what kind of dog do you think this is? I think it's a lab. Oh my gosh, he's so beautiful. So gorgeous. Isn't Oh fun. Like we just gosh. get to sit here and talk with amazing oh, and women. Then you and, then you get a- <laughs> and then you get a dog just randomly showing up. Dog. Well, this is why I love this space. And this, this is what really we good. do what we do, right? Yeah, <laughs> this is what we do. So 
people can spend, they can get an hour with you. And trust me, guys, an hour with Rebecca is a gift. And take advantage of it and, and see if it's a fit for you. And even also just sink into it and be super present. Like find time to make that hour and just get to know her. And you will feel the passion that she has for helping you grow in life and business and money and all of those things. Um, so Rebecca, you're amazing. Thank you so much, Beverly. So are you. <laughs> okay, so it's Rebecca Lima. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I don't know. It's dot. Okay, can you tell them your website? Because I just sure. looked at this and realized I, I, what I wrote down cannot be correct. <laughs> so if you would like to um, get on my website, it's www.rebecca with one C. So it's R-E-B-E-C-A, Lima, L-I-M-A, dot coach, C-O-A-C-H. And I'm going to put the link to the one hour with you for listeners. That will be in the show notes. So if you want the one hour, go to the specific link that we have in the show notes for you. And I will go ahead and add all your social media handles because, sorry, we we have visitors today. And so like (laughs) stuff's flying off tables and there went the headphones. Um, The other thing that I want to encourage people is to find you on Facebook because you have done a few like just random lives that I actually stopped and listened to. And and one of them I really liked because you were giving a perspective on money, on how it's impacted your family's ability to just get up and travel. And I thought, you know what, that is, first of all, that is, you're brave and you are wonderful for sharing that. But people are going to listen to that and they're going to learn. So where can they find you on Facebook? Where was that posted? I don't even oh, know. Oh, sure. So I do a lot. There's actually... Um, um, find me on my personal. It's Rebecca Stork, S-T-O-R-C-K, Lima, or my business page, is, which is just Rebecca Lima. Um, and you can find me on Instagram as well. It's RebeccaLima.coach. Um, so just find me. I do random Facebook lives when I'm inspired. Yeah. I also do some weekly trainings, some weekly free trainings when I'm inspired to do them as well. Mm. So just come find me all I know. Besides the accent, I'm not scary at all. So just come <laughs> and be my friend. Yes, yes. And, and you know what? Thank you. We appreciate you very much, Rebecca. And um, guys, go take advantage of this. We're still snuggling with the puppy, so we're very distracted. Um, go take advantage of this opportunity for one hour of Rebecca's time. And you know, don't forget that if you are listening to us on Apple, we would love a rating and review. And if you are listening to us on Himalaya, um, please go ahead and follow us. And Rebecca, thank you again. You are wonderful. And I look forward to more chats. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the show. Hi, my name is Les Conley. And as producer of this show, I enjoy listening right along with you. Don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow Grit and Grace so that we can keep you up to date on all the exciting shows coming your way. Please check the show notes for links to our guests and feel free to contact us for more information. Taver Lee is a social impact entrepreneur and she can be found at taverlee.com. That's T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E.com know your time is extremely valuable and we appreciate you spending it with us. Thank you.